Stop saying that name on this podcast. I told you last week, we did not talk about the snake in Boston. Hello and welcome to the Un-American Football Show. Uh, today we're taking a deep dive into the first round of the 2021 draft. Uh, joining me today, uh, we have the Tough Show's co-hosts, Alan and Ross. Welcome back, chaps. Thanks, guys. Yeah, oh, mate, honestly, we're going to talk over each other right from the start. Just, uh, <laughs> yeah, smash it just to no. kick off this draft show, just like the Houston Texans as an organisation, as an absolute car crash. I think there's no better way <laughs> to, to start off the show. That was that was completely intentional. Um, uh, also joining us today, uh, he's fresh off of getting his face on Irish television with the draft show. Uh, from the Irish football show, welcome, Colin Cronin. Thanks very much. Uh, lovely to have the opportunity to join you lads. And uh, yeah, I've had, uh, I was saying uh, just before we start recording to the lads, I think today is the first day where I don't feel I'm in a different time zone, uh, which is uh, quite a nice feeling after the last week. So looking forward to chatting today. It's it's amazing to have you to have, to have you with us. Um, I mean, I, I, I kind of alluded to it when I dropped you the uh, very, very sort of hit and, hit and hope message asking whether you wanted to come on come on today um it was very much like what a week you've had and uh it was the first time that uh there's been something nfl related on television in ireland for quite some time isn't it yeah that's uh that's right so the first irish-led broadcast in 30 years you uh you have to go back to the 1991 Super Bowl, uh, where they there was wow. a, a show that that covered it, uh, which was absolutely amazing because they got a kind of a an Irish musician on who'd re- really been famous in kind of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. So at that point, his was coming towards the end of his career and clearly had no idea what was going on, but wanted to be on television. And so they were <laughs> talking about William the Refrigerator Perry and Dickie Rock is the guy's name. And Dickie Rock famously asks, he says, oh, the refrigerator is, did he get that name just because he's so cool, is it? <laughs> Which is just a, a magnificent moment and uh, tells you that the sort of coverage uh, that it was at the time. So we were delighted to have the opportunity to go on and do a, a, a show on Wednesday evening uh, before the draft. And we even managed to snag ourselves Ian Rappaport to, to come on and have a chat to us. So, yeah, that was uh, that was pretty cool to have that opportunity. Uh, that was actually going to be my next my next sort of line of questioning, really. Um, you've had the, the guests you've had on have been incredible. You, like, like you said, Ian Rappaport, but you've had Adam Rank, uh, Jim Nagy, Jeff Reinbold. You know, you've had, a, I think I saw a little while back, you had uh, Noah Fant. How, how do you go about getting these guys? And like, what is it like talking with these, I don't want to say legends, because, you know, maybe some of them aren't yet, but certainly like these guys that have such a massive, massive involvement in the league and have like such great knowledge of the league. How, how, how does that all happen? 
Um, I, I think, well, we've been very fortunate. I'll, I'll firstly say that. Um, and the the other guys on um, the Irish NFL show, Mar- uh, Michael, Brian and Mark, we've all been doing this a long time, uh, which has allowed us probably to, to build up um, contacts. And um, we're, I think the, the fact that the, the four of us are, are kind of uh, involved helps. Um, Mark does a lot of work in... Um, the United States. I worked uh, quite extensively in in the States as well, and uh, probably seen some of my uh, former students uh, who used to who came and studied abroad in Ireland now working with NFL teams or working with agencies. Um, so it's allowed us to, to kind of build up some of the contacts there. Um, t- talk, I suppose, to me, like we we've been doing we were doing broncos europe for years and i remember the first time we had the opportunity to talk to wade phillips was where i was kind of like this is because wade to me is just an absolute genius um never the head coach but as as a defensive coordinator i i one of the finest minds in the game so to be able to to talk to him was, was just amazing and he was very generous and came back onto the irish nfl show and uh, Mark is a Patriots fan, and Mark said, "Oh, you know that that uh, AFC Championship game where you guys hit Brady like what in around like eighteen, nineteen times, and Wade without missing a beat goes twenty four, and it was just perfect, <laughs> awesome. and he still remembers it." Um, so, so some we've been very fortunate. Jim Kelly was on; he was great. So just um, I think just time building up contacts, um, and a that that has uh, been um we just that our good our good fortune uh, and and i suppose the the ability to um going on television then allowed us to to make a kind of a big ask and get uh, ian rapaport uh, to to come on and have a chat it's it's you're you're able to sell something a little bit more when you can say i this will be on television it's not just a podcast yeah um i mean like who would be sort of a, i mean <laughs> You've already said with uh, Wade that you know, that was a that was kind of like a dream kind of guest or whatever. But like, who would be a dream sort of guest right now? Uh, I can tell you straight away, Shannon Sharp, without a shadow of a doubt. Shannon Sharp is what he's an absolute superstar on uh, like on the field and what he did. I mean, what a tight end! But he was hilarious. Uh, you know, the uh, call the national guard um phone call um and also just off like since he's uh, retired and working in the media he he's so sharp um and i think he he just would be a fantastic guest uh, i like elway elway is the the reason i probably fell in love with the game but i think if i was to sit down for like an hour long interview shannon would probably maybe give you more and the stories i mean mike the, the, the are, you're all familiar with the story about the chiefs and the broncos and the o-line are, have you guys uh heard, heard that where shannon starts calling out um the uh number uh the, the number the phone number of one of the chiefs o-line guys his um girlfriend and um <laughs> the just repeated penalty repeated penalty repeated penalty <laughs> uh, which took the, the the broncos won the game as a result um and uh the guy got ejected the owner of the chiefs at the time came out and criticized his own player it was a a huge hullabaloo but it, it gives you an insight into like kind of what these guys are willing to do to win. And I think hearing stories like that, because we never, 
you so rarely hear those stories from the trenches in particular. Yeah. Um, I'd love to get some insight into that. Yeah, though, it sounds like you'd be a whale, you'd have a whale of a time talking to him. Um, for me, like, I was thinking about this when I was, I was thinking about asking you, and I was like, who would it be? And it's kind of, kind of like along the same lines, where it's like, my initial thought was Andrew Luck, because like, that's the guy that, like, that's when I first started watching the NFL regularly, I was already a Colts fan. So I came in, just watched Andrew Luck, and I was like, this dude can ball. And it was, just, I loved watching him. But like, Pat McAfee is just, he would be like a dream guest because he's just, he, he, it, it feels like it would be an absolute, absolute chaos for an hour and a half or, you know, however long you managed to get him. Um, but the stories, you know, like the stories with Tri- uh, Polamalu and the sea gap and, and, and everything. And, you know, and he's just such an entertaining guy that it would be incredible to sit down with him. Um, I'm going to talk it out to the other guys actually as well. Uh, Ross, who would you, who would your, your uh, dream guest be? There, there only is one answer, I think, when you're talking about New Orleans Saints, right? Is is Breezes himself, uh, Drew Brees. Whether you like him or not, whether you think his character is um, really who he kind of portrays and himself to be in the media, I, I think he's, I, I think he's legit. I think he's a really nice guy, um, and he's obviously raised the New Orleans Saints from the depths of the NFL, um, right from the bottom as a franchise for nearly 25, 30 years, I think. They were just an absolute nothing team until the dream team of Breeze and Sean Payton came along. Um, so I think he has to be the guy I just want to have a conversation with at some point in the future. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't imagine, with my very limit, limited knowledge of the uh, Saints, I can't imagine you would pick anybody else. Um, and Alan, obviously, it's Jerry Jones, right? <laughs> uh, Jerry would be interesting. Um, it probably wouldn't be my number <laughs> one pick. <laughs> Um, although I'm sure there'll be some fireworks. Um, you know, uh, as great as it'd be to talk to someone like Aikman or um, Emmett Smith or someone like that, especially think since his transition to broadcasting, I think Tony Romo would be a really good conversation. Um, great, great shout, yeah. Amazing shout, that. Okay, he didn't win anything. Um, but he, remember, uh, he was undrafted. He went through all that process of being sort of an absolute no one to, um, you know, leading Dallas Cowboys, probably one of the most coveted roles in football, uh, to then, you know, the injuries, the sort of the Dak Prescott sort of sliding in, taking his job, and, and then into the booth. So uh, I think it's some interesting transitions there. On the Cowboys, oh, I think what would be fascinating to talk to would be Jeff Perlman, who wrote the Boys Will Be Boys book, uh, which if uh, anyone hasn't read it, cannot recommend it highly enough. Uh, like I look a peek behind the, the curtain at what the Cowboys, that 90s team, I mean, they played hard, but my God, they partied even harder. I would love to hear the stories he couldn't put in the book. Probably unbroadcastable though, right? <laughs> uh, undoubtedly, <laughs> you'd have to do. We'd have to do like a late, a late night after dark episode where it only goes on YouTube and is age restricted or something. HBO. Talk about having a wild time, Alan. So you wouldn't want Michael Irvin on the show. Um, to <laughs> well, be... I'm not sure I'll be able to get a word in. Is the thing with Michael <laughs> Irvin. <laughs> Although, uh, obviously, a massive character. Um, yeah, there, there's so many that you can pick from. I just think that um, I think Romo's probably had a few more lows than some of those other guys, and I think sometimes the lows are more interesting than the highs. 
Yeah, I mean, just just as you were saying that, I was thinking Ryan Grigson, so I could just tear into him for twenty five minutes and then boot him off the call. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, right. There's been some aside from the uh, the the draft this week. Uh, there's been some some very fiery, interesting, and entertaining pieces of news. So I'm going to hand over to Alan to run through that. Yeah. So I guess the biggest piece of news probably over the last week was on the first day of the draft before the draft started. Uh, Aaron Rodgers unhappy in Green Bay. There have been some rumblings in the past, especially the year prior when Jordan Love was drafted. Uh, There's probably some concerns then, but he then turned up, smashed out an MVP season, and then everyone sort of thought, well, he must be fine then. But clearly, uh, clearly not. There's been more rumblings from other sources. Devontae Allen's been... Um, posting on Instagram, you know, saying you've got to appreciate what you've got when you've got it. Uh, there's a lot of evidence saying that he's generally not going to come back to the Packers. Uh, what do you guys think about it? Would you, would you, if you were GM, would you uh, want to keep him? Would you do everything you can to keep him? Or would you think this is the time to get rid? I mean, first of all, whatever you do, old, old goody, good, good in the, in the old, Green Bay Packers front office. Wherever you do, don't trade Aaron Rodgers. You'll forever be known as the guy who traded Aaron Rodgers. Um, that's <laughs> that's just the way it is. And he's, he's going to go on and he's going to have another good three, four, five seasons with another team if you do trade him. And you'll forever be known as the guy that got rid of Aaron Rodgers and couldn't keep him in the building. Um, just as a slight tangent, did anybody see the absolute nonsense that's been uh, tweeted out and the rumors going around that uh, Green Bay tried to trade up and go get Justin Jefferson in last year's draft. I'd like to know what member of the backroom staff and or the Green Bay media team got a nice little bonus, a nice little check um, through their through their door slot um, over the past week to go out and leak that information. Because I've never heard so much nonsense uh, in my life. Obviously, it, was, it, it wasn't just Jefferson, was it? Apparently, like they they wanted to go up for Jefferson, they got rebuffed, and then they tried to go up for. Or they were good. They were going to go up and try, try and get. Ayuk and then San Fran grabbed him, so they apparently they tried twice to move up and then decided to get Love later. It absolutely stinks of um, trying to cover your arses. Bullshit, <laughs> isn't it? Absolute bullshit. Yeah, uh, for somebody like a year later for this uh, for these rumors to come out that you tried to trade up and go get a wide receiver and actually help Aaron Rodgers, and then instead of just taking maybe the sixth best receiver on the board or possibly the best tight end last year or maybe um, another offensive lineman, like they took a lineman this year, or just another some more help for the defense, you take the quarterback. If, you're try- if your target is to try and help Aaron Rodgers in last year's draft, why do you then, instead of going, going for the receiver with plan A, why is plan B taking Jordan Love? It makes no sense to me. Um, and I, like I say, it absolutely stinks of, to them trying to cover their arses. Um, yeah, it does. Uh, I... I sort of disagree with you on on the front of being known as the man that traded away Rodgers. I'm very much I'm very much in the school of if a player doesn't want to play on your team anymore, just go and get as much from as possible. Like with Deshaun Watson, I would have absolutely cashed in the second he said I don't want to be. I'd be like, okay, I'm going to go and get as many first round picks for you as I can. I mean, even just bearing in mind the fact that they had three picks in this entire draft. Um, I would be going out and trying to repair some of that damage. But if I if if I've got a player who's really unhappy and clearly really doesn't want to be around, go and cash in. So I'd do the same with Rogers, especially considering he's towards the tail end of his career. He might have five or six years left 
but, you know, the older you are, the more likely you are to get injured as well. Like, he takes a massive hit off of uh, off of uh, rushing edge. You know, goes down with a Achilles injury or does his ACL. He is not returning. He's not going to do an Alex Smith and miraculously recover from it. He will not return. I think it's I think it's time to cash in. Yeah, I I, I would wholeheartedly agree, especially on the Watson side of things. Now, publicly, I might. Um... I might say I wasn't, but I would absolutely be be uh, taking phone calls. And I think some of it goes in um, to what you were saying about leaking stories, like the stuff that goes on behind the scenes, like the PR machines that these uh, teams have, that agents have, they leak stories to to journalists who report them. Sometimes, sometimes in good faith, they don't they they don't realize they're being played. At other times, they probably do. But everyone's in on the game, and you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Um, but fans are, are kind of left in limbo to think about, you know, oh, you know, he's he's in he's been pushed out, or they haven't done this. It's it's just fascinating for me to watch, um, and I do think if you are if you're the Packers, if you, you I think they re, they hope. Within the building, they realize what his real intentions are. Is it to force the GM out? Is that what this is about? Is it to get more money? Or is he just really genuinely unhappy? If that is the case that he really is, then there's no coming back for it and he could retire. Then are you going to like allow that to happen when you could have acquired? You know, probably if it had happened before the draft, I think you could have got three picks. Um, but if you didn't uh now i think you probably get two first round uh, picks for the next couple of years are you going to give up on that just because you don't want to be the guy who who traded Aaron Rodgers even if it comes back comes back at you otherwise you're the guy who forced Aaron Rodgers into retirement and i don't think your team is doing a whole lot next year with Jordan Love anyway yeah i'd agree uh, i think you've got to at least be taking calls as sad as it would be if i was gm of green bay packers to sort of see him walk um, you need to look at the team and see is there a potential with this team, this core that we've got to win something and at this current moment in time if Aaron Rodgers wasn't their quarterback I don't think they're contenders um, but if they get enough picks or they get an attractive enough offer then they could do something with a different quarterback um, over the next year, couple of years. One one final point on Rodgers as a Broncos fan and the the team probably most heavily linked uh, to him uh, in ter- in terms of where he may go if he wa- was to be traded and before the draft all kicked off on Thursday night I think it was Nate Kreckman uh, had a beautiful tweet that said um, yeah uh, you know uh, those fourteen minutes when we thought Aaron Rodgers might come to Denver were the high point of Broncos football in the last five years and that is funny because it's true <laughs> yeah it's uh. Well, the next the next piece of news was that uh, you've signed uh, you, you signed Teddy Bridgewater in exchange for a sixth round pick. Um, what a come down from from Rogers to uh, to Bridgewater. Um, we're just going to run through the rest of the news really quickly. Uh, Alan's had to uh, shoot off for a little bit, uh, and we don't know how long he's going to be. So I'm just going to pick up the news here. Um, so a couple a bit a little bit of news about left tackles. Um, the Chicago Bears have released left tackle. Uh, Charles Leno, um, which is going to save them six million a year, which seems a little bit strange, especially seeing as the uh, was it Tevin Jenkins they picked up in the in the uh, the draft, and it was looking like he was going to be playing out out right, and all of a sudden he's 
looking like being shifted left. Um, very strange news, but but fortunately for me, as a as a Colts fan, could be in, incredible news because I would be satisfied with Fisher for a year. I'd much rather Leno for a couple, uh, <laughs> for at least a couple of years, if not if not a little bit bit more before we find maybe like a permanent fixture there um also just before we came uh came into the, the recording we had alejandro villanueva sign on a two-year 14 million deal uh with baltimore um it's quite a nice 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 little pickup there and then um the final final bit of news is that the schedule release uh comes out on the 12th of may uh, which includes information about the uh, international series games which look like they will be happening this year um so, the question uh, we've got a question for you: The Falcons are coming over. Who else would you like to see? Um, Alan, take the floor as you've appeared again. Uh, so, other than just saying my own team, so obviously I'd like to see the Cowboys over. Um, I actually missed them last time they were over, so I'd be desperate to get there if, if the Cowboys were there. Um, I actually think an interesting proposition post-draft, although I don't want to sort of give any spoilers away, um, would be the Chicago Bears. I think um, they have been a playoff team in the last few years at times, and I think they have a new interesting dynamic with sort of the quarterback situation going on there. I'd probably run, if it was Fields at quarterback, I'd want to go, uh, but if it was Dalton, I, I think I'd probably stay away. <laughs> in retrospect. Uh, another one for me would probably be the Chargers. With Herbert, they're an interesting team. Yeah, uh, I'll jump in next. I think the hottest team in in the league is. I think you alluded to at the end there is the Chargers with uh, Justin Herbert. Um, I think they would be amazing to go and watch. I think they. I really like what they also did in the draft, as I'm sure we're going to get to later. But I think Herbert is the guy to watch at the moment. Um, just thinking about the Falcons and the potential teams we could see, because I don't think that's been announced yet. Um, I know their home schedule is obviously in the division, the Saints and Panthers. Um, the team I'm looking at the moment is that they do play the, the um, Washington football team, the Philadelphia Eagles, um, and the New England Patriots next year as well. Um, so those teams seem like they could be quite enticing matchups to go see at Wembley. Um, I'd probably pick the Patriots just because I think that'd be really a good, like Patriots-Falcons, a repeat of like, Super Bowl 51, I think. Um, obviously, not there's a lot of players that aren't there anymore since the last Super Bowl, but I think it would be really fun for... Uh, for UK football fans to see that matchup. Yeah, and it'd be nice to see a little bit of revenge, hopefully. Um, my um, my one is very much uh, born out of hatred for Tom Brady, and I'd like to see the Colts' 17th game this year, which is against Tampa Bay. Um, I'd like to see that, Colts versus Tampa Bay. Um, otherwise, it, it's probably boring and the same as everybody else, but you know, the Chargers obviously would be quite a nice thing. I'd like to see the Chiefs. Um, I'd like I'd like to see you know I'll I'll probably try and get to at least one of the games and if there's nothing that is particularly interesting for me I'll go and see Jacksonville get hammered, which you know was when I, I was there I was there for their last defeat there against the Texans and it really was an absolute battering they were dreadful and it was so funny particularly because it was my friend uh my friend Jarvis's birthday and he's a Jacksonville fan. So I took him into the box at Wembley, all the free booze and food we could have, and he was just sat there miserable because they were getting absolutely annihilated. Just quickly, I was also at the game, and uh, I know this has become a Gardner Minshew podcast. Um, absolutely. Nate is not necessarily a no. fan. 
No, stop it. One one episode called The Garden and Minshew Hour and nothing else since. Alan is trying to make it happen and now Ross is. It's not happening. Uh, we, we yeah we do like to team up a little bit on Nate here, Colin. So um, if you are a Gardner Minshew fan, please let it be known to the rest of the listeners. Um, I know he's going to be a backup forevermore, um, but we'll always remember here on the the Un American Football Show the the most entertaining quarterback in the league. Minshew mania is coming back. Although um, Ross is a big fan of Kirk Cousins on the slide, but uh, Colin, who would you like to see uh, over for an international game? Uh, well, firstly, I, I, I'm probably more team Nate in terms. Minshew is good, is good fun, but re- like I, I my, yes. I was honestly, I was dreading if the Broncos brought him in because he, as a backup, he's not a guy you you even want to see. Like I, I think he could do great documentary series that would be really entertaining. Um, you know, maybe take over from Steve Irwin, sort of, and and become that, but. Looks a bit well, like Tiger King, doesn't he? Yeah, well, yeah, do something along that line. But as soon as your quarterback throws some interceptions, the fans are just going to call for Minshew. He'll come in for three games, and everyone will realize, oh, this really doesn't work. And you're going to be in a Bears type situation where you're fluctuating be- between quarterbacks. Um, last year, it was, it's funny because the Falcons are were so determined to play internationally. Like, I was like, really? You have a brand new stadium. I don't know why you're so keen not to play there. Um, but uh, last year, they were scheduled to play the Broncos. That didn't end up happening. I would have been excited this time last year because uh, I, I thought, you know, Drew Locke really could be something this year. I, I probably would would be less excited about the Broncos coming out. I would, the 49ers, I think, will be fascinating to see what they do um, with uh, Trey Lance and how that offense uh, might work. And I'm also, I'm keen to see what the, the Vikings do um, because uh, like on offense last year, they were, they were really good. They were fun to to watch team. Um, they seem to have improved the line a little bit. So, you know, Kirk Cousins should be more upright. So I, I think they will be a, a fun team to, to watch. And uh, I do want to see what Kubiak Jr. can do. Uh, you know, he, Gary, Gary has moved on. Um, so now, you know, we have... Kyle Shannon taking over from Mike. Um, can uh, Kubiak Jr. take over from from Gary and go on and, and make a name for himself as a coordinator in the league? Uh, Ross will be delighted with the uh, the the cousins love there. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think I like I love this shout of having the uh, having a look at the uh, Niners if they are Garoppolo less. I would agree. If if Garoppolo's leading the line still, then no. <laughs> um, right, but yeah, there we go. That's the that's the news kind of summed up there. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to move on. Um, which we've got a, we've got a little feature for Ross. Um, obviously, since last week, uh, we discovered that Ross has a really really bizarre obsession with fifth year options. Um, so we're going to give him a little segment of his own, which is Ross's five year option corner. Um, so Ross, uh, we said we said in in our. Uh, in our host chat about you having 46 seconds to sum up all of the fifth year options. So uh, I'm, I'm in, in in post, I'm going to go and chuck in a low, chuck in the uh, countdown music and I'm going to give you 46 <laughs> seconds to, uh, to really go and go and thrill us with the, uh, with everything that's happened. So uh, when you're ready, mate, you're on the clock. Well, quick, quick background. I'll, Alan actually challenged me to a rap, but um, as the, as the listeners are going to listen, as Colin that will now learn, 
Um, a little, I'm a little bit more of a romantic and a traditionalist at heart. So instead of a rap, I've written a poem to bring you all up to speed on all the fifth-year option news. I cannot wait. So I'd actually prefer some like serene music, some like calm, some like and some okay. waves or something. The fifth-year option deadline, the time has come. The 2018 first rounders, some liked, some loved, some given the thumb. Still part of the Browns, Baker and Ward. Chubb and Nelson are still adored. Darnold left New York, Carolina say stay for a while. Smith and Vea make Bears and Bucks smile. Barkley's been hurt, but the Giants still believe. The Falcons' Ridley has more touchdowns to receive. McGlinchey, Wynn and Payne also made their case. I hope Davenport won't fall flat on his face. The Raiders made Miller a lot more wealthy. The Chargers still pray James can stay healthy. DJ Moore and Ragnow also picked up. Packers Alexander is a star in the lineup. The Ravens still believe in Lamar Jackson, while the Bills' love of Allen and Edmonds is a mutual attraction. Now a Steeler, Fitzpatrick continues to flourish. Let's all just agree, Josh Rosen is rubbish. <laughs> Mate, that is brilliant. It's poetry. Um, just to clarify, any first rounder that I didn't mention there, um, they're obviously a little bit rubbish from 2018 <laughs> because their option wasn't picked up. Um, so everybody mentioned there their options should have been picked up yesterday. Oh, I, I, I can't wait to turn that into a little clip and get that all over social media. <laughs> that was beautiful, mate. Um, yeah, uh, I'm not even going to discuss the five-year options. I'm just going to leave it at that. We can't improve on that. There's no point in talking about it, so let's move on. Uh, to the to the bulk of our um, of our uh, episode here, and that's the 2021 first round draft deep dive. We're going to have a little bit of chat here and there about, um, well, sort of later on, um, about some of the later picks, if you've got anything that particularly stands out as being weird or awesome or whatever. Um, but, you know, the, the, the real interest is day one, isn't it? So that's what, that's where we're going to lay our focus, really. Um, so um, I'm going to go through the first five picks. Um, they were more or less obvious, but Jacksonville Jaguars picked Trevor Lawrence, quarterback from Clemson, number one. The New York Jets took Zach Wilson, quarterback uh, from Brigham Young. Um, San Francisco 49ers uh, took Trey Lance, quarterback from North Dakota State. Um, the Atlanta Falcons took Kyle Pitts, tight end from Florida. And the Cincinnati Bengals took Jamar Chase, wide receiver from Louisiana State. Um, just for my part, uh, I'm really happy that the Niners went with Trey Lance. Um, in our in our mock draft, I identified that and had them trading up to number ten in order to land him, um, and maybe they could have probably got a, they may have got away with trading up a little, not quite as high as three, but you know they did what they need, felt they needed to do, to go and get their man. Um, Trey Lance looks like he just looks. If I could describe a Shanahan quarterback, it would more or less be exactly what Trey Lance is. Um, he's he's and he's got me really excited. I don't think I've ever been ever been excited to watch another team other than my own before, but I'm I, I'm getting kind of excited to see that. Uh, I may just be you know puffing that up in my head a little, but that it just looks like a really great matchup in style. I know he's raw and he's got he's got some problem, you know maybe some growing to do before he reaches that level, but I am excited. Yeah, um, I, I think Lance is, is a fascinating one. This pick was really interesting because all of the talk was Mac Jones and there are people in the league who are convinced that 
Um, it was to be Mac Jones, and then they fell in love with Trey Lance. There were others who say that you know it, it was always going to be Trey Lance. Others, you know, who, who um, think that it should have been Justin Fields. Uh, so it, I, I find it definitely um, an, an interesting one in in that respect. Um, the other thinking um, that I, I heard mention, uh, and it would make sense, it was I think it was on the, the PFF um, podcast um, with Sam Monson brought it up um, that maybe they went up in the hope at that point that the Jets might let Wilson go. Um, by all accounts, Zach Wilson was the guy that Kyle Shanahan loved the most in, in this particular draft. And and maybe on the off chance that uh, the Jets let him slide, that they would be there to to pick him up. I know Steve Young talked about that as well. Um, but like, like you, Nate, I... I uh, I suppose looking at the quarterbacks over the last number of months, Lance was a guy I probably fell in love with the, the most. Um, now, some of that's probably because Trevor Lawrence is set in stone, but I think Lance has such potential. And you're talking about, um, you know, a kind of a prototype for a Shanahan QB. There's a lot of John Elway in there. And, and John Elway is, I mean, in terms of Mike Shanahan, that is your prototype QB. The guy who comes out of Stanford, super smart, um, can, you know, is is able to, to launch it down the field, but when can scramble and when play breaks down, can uh, find a, an open guy. Um, I think the way in which the game has evolved since then uh, means that quarterbacks do different things now than probably they did they run a lot more so i think the trey lance thing makes sense and i know that um others have pointed out again i think it was pff we're talking about the fact that maybe what shanahan likes is that with trey lance he's so raw you're not trying to retrain him to do things that maybe you would have had to do with justin fields uh yeah i mean I mean, I I think you you said that you the, the guy that you fell in love with the most in the in the lead up was probably Trey Lance, and I've got him right behind Justin Fields. I I was absolutely steaming at the prospect of Mac Jones going above Justin Fields. For me, I think I think looking looking at it, and you know, I'm, you know, I'm 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 by no means an expert, but looking at looking at the from the from the tape I've seen of you know all of the all of the the sort of top four or five quarterbacks. Justin Fields could be for me slotting in there number two over Zach Wilson. Um, there's something about the way that guy plays football that I just love, um, and he would. And I and I don't doubt for a minute that he would make a you know he'd make a splash certainly in 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 San Fran. But I really like I really like the the matchup with Trey Lance um, and Shanahan, like like I said before. Um, obviously, the other the other the other. Um, pick there that stands out for me is Carl Pitts going to Atlanta. Um, he could be a game changer down there. Um, I think he's got a very, very, very huge career ahead of him, and you know he could be challenging Kelsey for 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 top tight end in in no time at all, really. Yeah, it's uh, interesting what the Falcons did. They they took Pitts. Although early in the process, a lot of people had the Falcons taking a quarterback, and um, it made in, in some ways it made sense because they have a new coaching staff in place and Arthur Arthur Smith uh, and uh, a new front office as well. It might have made sense that they wanted to start fresh at the quarterback position. Um, but in the end, I think Matt Ryan's contract was just too much for them to dump, um, even in year one, because they went ahead and restructured it. Um, to the to the point where they've actually made it a lot more difficult for Matt Ryan to be released um, in the next two or three years. I think he has a dead cap hit of 
over $40 million if they release him uh, at the start of 2022. But in that restructure, they were able to save cap space for 2021. Um, so that kind of suggested that uh, Arthur Smith and the, the front office are happy with having a 36-year-old Matt Ryan um, as their quarterback for the next couple of years. Um, so from that point on, uh, from the restructure onwards, it obviously didn't look like they were ever going to take a quarterback at that point. They took the who I had as the the best offensive piece on the board outside of the quarterbacks, and that was Kyle Pitts. And now that offense looks really, really scary um, with Matt Ryan, who I still think is a competent quarterback. I don't, I, I think they made the right decision personally because um, they would have only had Kyle um, Justin Fields, who I'm high on um, at number four, or Mac Jones, as it turns out. Um, I think Matt Ryan for the next two or three years is going to be just as competent as either of those guys. Um, um, we'll, we'll obviously we'll see what the future brings, but I think giving him an absolute beast in a tight end slash wide receiver. If you're scared of the tight end um, in the first round, if you're scared of labeling him as a tight end, just label him as a receiver if it makes you feel happier. Because the guy is what six foot five, I think. You know, he's, he's an absolute freak of nature, and he still runs in the mid four fours when it comes to a forty yard dash, faster than some of the right wide receivers in the league at the moment. Um, so yeah, I think I think they probably just about made the right decision. Um, Obviously, we're only a few days out from the draft, so time will tell. If Fields and Mac Jones are the real deal, that's the thing that's going to be talked about. They passed up on Jones and Fields um, over Matt Ryan. Um, but I think they did what was right, given their situation with uh, Matt Ryan's contract. Um, just just, just going back and talking about Matt Ryan, it, everything they've done with him is is surprising. Um, obviously, once they hit the restructure, then I was like, okay, well, they're not taking the quarterback. So there, there, there we go. That's that's going to be one of the wide receivers or probably more likely to be Pitts, right? Um, if it if it had been me, my game plan of going into the offseason would have been uh, shop Ryan and bring in a quarterback early. Um, I'm, not, I'm not high on Ryan now. You know, like four or five years ago, I thought, you know, I thought the guy's fantastic, but last few years, kind of deceived to flatter a little bit. Um, I think he, um, I think, I, yeah, I, I say I like the Kyle Pitts uh, transaction, and that's more because you know they, they kind of dug themselves into that hole. I would have absolutely been going for a for a quarterback here because you know with Ryan, you know, like you said, he's he's thirty six. They've kind of locked him in now for two, three years. Um, and that offense now, even with Ryan, looks good enough that without trading, are they going to be at number four again in the next couple of years? It's very, very unlikely, I think. Um, so what do, they, what do they do in regards to fixing that quarterback position? It's going to have to be some kind of huge enormous trade and then what's that going to cost you elsewhere in order to make that happen it seemed like i don't know it, it all seems like it's lacking a little bit of forethought and yeah you, it's all well and good going into maybe like a win now scenario but you have to have what some kind of eye on the future and it doesn't look like they have i i think um i know we're, we're just touching on the first round but i think more I think it makes sense if they are still trying to win in 2021, which Arthur Smith has been adamant about in the media that they, they hired the wrong guy if they're looking for a rebuild in Atlanta. He, he wants to win now. He wants to win immediately. Um, whether he will or not, obviously, we don't know yet. Um, but I think more to that point is that they weren't looking ahead in terms of taking a mid-round quarterback. Um, I know Kellen Mond, Kyle Trask, and Davis Mills were taking in the three in five, three of the five spots ahead of them in the third round, I think. Um, so I wonder if that's the case of a rookie general manager not sensing that there's 
competition here ahead of us for for a mid-round quarterback and not trading up and getting one of those guys who is a big developmental prospect, sure, but someone that could sit behind Matt Ryan. Um, I think they picked up Felix Franke. Felix Franke? I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, which probably speaks to the type of prospect he is, um, but as an undrafted free agent. Um, so I, I think that's kind of more to the point in terms of not looking ahead. That's the argument I would make. I don't think you had to take a quarterback at four. I think Matt Ryan is going to be competent for two years. We're really going to see if it was Arthur Smith or Ryan Tannehill who was the main driving force behind the Tennessee Titans resurgence in the last two years because we're going to see what Magic Smith can work with Matt Ryan, um, a little bit older than Tannehill, but you know, a journeyman quarterback learning a new, a new offense. We're going to see. We're really going to see if it was Tannehill or Smith that's doing leading the resurgence in Tennessee, and it's going to be through the lens of the Atlanta Falcons um, for the next couple of years. I'm I'm really not a fan of taking um, QBs as as projects. It it just it so rarely works. I mean, so rarely works. Um, the the ones people point to Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson won that job in the first summer. Um, I was very fortunate to to see him play in that preseason. It was obvious the kid was a superstar. Um, they didn't sit and develop him. Um, and, and then if you, you take, say, Dak, well, Dak fell because of the DUI. And Dak probably would have ended up potentially at the at the Broncos. Life could be very difficult. Only he got the DUI, missed the flight, and we ended up with Paxton Lynch. Yay. So um, I, I'm really, this, this idea of developmental quarterbacks, it's lovely in theory. But when what happens is teams generally they go they you identify a guy you go up and get the guy and then you build around him in the way that the Bills have done with Josh Allen or that um, the the Chiefs have done with with Mahomes uh, and I think we're seeing um, you know um, less and less where QBs sit for a while and I think Trey, that's going to be another interesting thing with Trey Lance you can't sit Trey Lance for that long. The kid did not play, played one game last year. You can't sit for a, a year having not played for a year. Um, and I think for for me with the the Falcons, that they potentially looked at the fact that quarterbacks are playing until a lot later now. Um, so obviously Brady is the, the exception uh, or is the, the trendsetter. But what happens is this is a copycat league. And in the same way that the Broncos won a, a Super Bowl with uh, a Peyton Manning who was subpar in, in 2015, everyone thought, ah, oh, you don't really need a super, uh, you know, a uh, quarterback to be absolutely brilliant to, to win yourself a Super Bowl, ignoring the leadership and the fact that pe- people wanted a win for Peyton Manning. I think now people are looking at Brady and Rodgers to an extent and saying, oh, QBs can play, QBs can play. Maybe they can, but I think that's what they, the Falcons decided to do on Matt Ryan is roll the dice. And so I, I don't even think it's it's two years. I think potentially you're looking at them saying, well, he might play till he's 40 and maybe we can work out a deal with him that's a little bit cheaper because we backed him here. And in two years time, we can work out a deal that if he's still playing at a relatively high level, it'll be a bit cheaper. The cap will have risen. And I think when you get a unicorn like... Uh, Kyle Pitts and and the fact that there's such a dearth of talent at that tight end position across the league and he gives you such mismatch opportunities I get why why they did that um, and I think you can make you know that, that that's a case you can make um, the other case a case I think you really have to to make though would be Jamar Chase uh, you know because um, that, like, given the injury that Burrow had, given the fact that they were so bad at it, um, was was that the the right the right pick? 
you I I I do question that. I, I really do question whether the Bengals um have have bengaled this up and um I I think they may come to to regret that. Um I you know I wonder if Miami might might come to to regret not not taking Sewell. Um I think that the Lions have found themselves a fantastic guy there. But um look Jamar Chase is a, a, a wonderful wide receiver. Just not sure he was the best pick for the Bengals. Yeah, I was really surprised they didn't take a line offensive lineman personally. Um, your star quarterback has been out for the last six weeks of the season because uh, because you're not protecting him. And now you're not protecting him or you're just giving him somebody else not to throw the ball to because he's getting bum-rushed 90% of plays, right? Um and we're, we're going to move on to talk about Sewell in a minute. We're just going to run three picks, six to ten. So uh, Miami Dolphins took Jalen Waddle out of Alabama. Uh, Detroit Lions took Penae uh, Sewell from, uh, oh, sorry, offensive tackle from Oregon. The Panthers took JC Horn, uh, cornerback from South Carolina. The Broncos took Patrick Certain, two, uh, cornerback from Alabama. And uh, the Eagles took... Uh, on a trade from uh, the Dallas Cowboys, took uh, Devonta Smith, wide receiver from Alabama. Um, I was a little bit surprised the Lions took Sewell. Is he the player they really needed in this draft? He's great at that spot, and he does instantly make the Lions better. So it's not horrible to pick up by any stretch. And you can even go as far as saying they needed to address something on the O line because it wasn't. It's not. It's you know. It's far from perfect. But for me, you know, they've lost. Uh, they lost got a day, and their defense is dreadful. Say, they they really needed a safety or a linebacker, uh, and maybe you know, in the position they're in, you, you know, maybe maybe there wasn't a wasn't a player worth taking that high. But then, can you maybe look at? Okay, we need to look. We need we need one of these. We need one of these guys. But we also need a tackle. Can we can we trade back to maybe the low teens, go and take a tackle, a tackle there, and get up get a couple one or two you know extra picks out of it, and go and address a couple more needs. For me, I think I think I would have been happier if I was a Lions fan. I would be happier moving back and strengthening across the board rather than just in that one position. Um, but you know, it's again, it's not a dreadful pickup. He he definitely makes them better. Um, obviously, I think the Jalen Waddle um, pickup is great. Uh, I I think he uh, he's right up there on the receivers, possibly the best in the best in the draft. Um, and then I really like the JC Horn going to the Panthers. I think he's uh, he's going to be a star. I I actually love the. Um, Penai Sewell pick for the Lions personally for reasons I'm going to actually come on to later in the uh, in the in the podcast that's called a tease in the the entertainment business. Um, but I actually I actually loved it. I think the Lions were not in a position um, where they could take a luxury pick. Like they have holes all over the board, as you say. So they're at a point where you have to kind of just take the best player available um, wherever the chips um, may fall. Um, they took a cornerback last last year. That's probably why they didn't take someone like Horn and Sertain. They're gonna they expect a big uh, uh, upturn in Okuda's uh, play now that they've got a new scheme in place. Uh, Aaron Glenn, former um, secondary coach with the Saints, I think he's the defensive coordinator with the Lions now. 
Um, he's going to do really good work for the Lions, um, I think, anyway, over the next few years. So I really like that they just went best player available, and that was Penai Sewell, um, according to the board. Um, and it also just gives them a real beast of an offensive line now. They have three first-rounders along that line now. So they have um, Taylor Decker, Frank Ragnow, um, and now Sewell. So I think that's a real identity the Lions can build um, uh, build around for the next few years. And that's that's kind of Dan Campbell's MO, and it's been all off-season, is building toughness, building a culture, kind of embodying the city of Detroit in their style of play. I think a really tough offensive line like that, um, that could potentially build a really good running game around, um, that's going to really please the Detroit fan base for the next few years. Um, the, Ma- the Miami Dolphins, they have to say that Jalen Waddle was always the guy. <laughs> um, I think a lot of people on probably had Jamar Chase ahead of him. So um, are we going to look back in a few years if Jalen Waddle is as injury-struck as he was at Alabama not his last year? Are we going to look back on this as Miami? Yes, they moved around the draft board the, the, the draft board, and they went from 12 and they went to 6 and they accumulated all these picks from the Houston Texans trade. But are we going to look back on this and be like, oh, actually, they went a little bit, they, they kind of overindulged a little bit going all the way back to 12 and then coming up to 6. They kind of messed around a little bit too much. Um We'll see. Waldo is explosive. Um, he's, he's a great player. He was actually on pace um, statistically with Devontae Smith until he got injured in, I think it was week five or week six of the college season. Um, so we'll see what he brings to the table. Um, he, he's a really good complement to Devontae Parker, to Adam Gesicki, um, to a third-round pick, another tight end. Um, the Hunter Long they picked up uh, in this draft. So he fits in really well. I just hope that he stays on the field for Miami. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting one because I thought when Sue fell, he is he's such a talent, and he he doesn't have the the question marks that you know um, say some of the uh, linemen have like at times coming out. He, would would you not look to take him uh, if you are the Dolphins and he's there and and you can I mean if you can you he's obviously at the left tackle which is you know, where it's such an important position. But like, if you feel you, you know, that uh, Austin Jackson is, is the, the guy you want there, then swing out to the right. Um, I, I wonder, um, and look, we, we will, it, these things you're never sure, but the receiver is going to have to be such a transcendent talent um, to justify taking somebody that high at receiver. And especially where there are those uh, injury concerns. Um, and I think probably with a tackle, the other nice thing is Sewell didn't play last year. So less wear and tear on the body, which for a tackle is exactly what, what you want. So I, I wonder to me that the lions, it makes a lot of sense. They are putting that identity together. I think they will be moving on from Jared Goff, um, if not next year, then then the year after. So why not have uh, a line, um, you know, whoever comes in, if they're well protected, um, then then happy days. Uh, and I, I suppose that's when you get down then to um, to Carolina and uh, and to the Broncos. Both teams, I would say, if a, a big enough offer had come in, I reckon you probably would have seen um, either of them go back. Um, you know the. Horn going to to the to the Panthers. The question is: Is he a fit schematically? He's obviously a very very good player. Does he fit what they intend to to do? That's the the, the question, I suppose. Um, and I I as a Broncos fan, um, Pat, you know Pat Sertain. I think he's going to go by Pat. Um, is obviously a very talented cornerback, but we had 
taken so many in free agency. And yes, I know, look, Callahan, one-year deal, Fuller, one-year deal. Um, but at, at, no, at number nine, it is, it's very high. Um, and having, um, you know, seen Champ Bailey, one of the great, great corners um play in in denver and only get to play in in one super bowl um that i i i wonder now if if a guy if if fields wasn't to be their quarterback if they didn't like him i get that point but would you have hold it to ransom and, and and have somebody else come up see if you could get extract more from from chicago um may you know maybe they're wonder worried about dallas going uh for um certain um i i'm a i i I think those are are two very good corners. They've probably gone a bit higher than I think anyone maybe expected they they would. I think for um for Pat Sertan he he's going to get a lot of um you know uh heat next year if all of a sudden Fields does really well for the Bears. Mac Jones is is starting for the the Patriots, and Drew Locke and and Teddy Bridgewater um, are not the answer for the Broncos. And I don't think either of them are. A lot is going, you know, and and I suppose George Payton probably didn't want to hitch himself to a QB if it if Fields was not who he felt was the right guy. You're a first year GM. Do you really want to hitch yourself to a quarterback like, say, um, Ryan Pace did at Chicago, and now has had you know you suddenly you're scrambling afterwards because if Fields doesn't work out, that's it in in, in Chicago. I think Peyton probably felt mm, maybe 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 if this season does you know if QB play isn't so good, we could be picking in a very similar position again next year. Um, I'll have more tape at that point I'll have been able to meet in person maybe I'm willing to to give up a bit more at that point to move up the board to take a, a QB of the future if it hasn't worked out that's all I can hope for as a Broncos fan I think uh, yeah I, li- I like what you said about um about Miami skipping on um Saul I think he makes more sense there than he does with Detroit um I think um Again, like whoever, wherever you, wherever you're looking, if you've got a stud like Sewell, he, you know, he's one of the best players across the board, regardless of position. Um, and you've got a young quarterback that you need to protect. He's the right pick for you. <laughs> he's the right pick for you. Um, you know, their 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 offensive line isn't incredible, and he, I mean, wherever he goes, he makes the, makes the team better, right? But yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm still. I, I think, I think Denver may have made a mistake there personally. But uh, let's move on to eleven to fifteen. So we'll go with the Bears from the Giants. Um, at eleven, picking Justin Fields, quarterback from Ohio State, and the Cowboys from the Eagles at twelve. And it was Micah Parsons, linebacker, Penn State. Um, the Chargers at thirteen with Rashawn Slater, the uh, tackle from Northwestern. Um, then we've got the Jets from the Vikings. That's right, the Vikings um, with Elijah Vera Tucker, guard from Southern California. And then we've got the Pats taking Mac Jones, quarterback from Alabama. Um, the Bears seeing fields available at eleven and jumped on it, and I don't blame them. Um, last week we spoke pretty scathingly about Dalton being QB one in in uh, in 
in Chicago, and it looks like he may have lost that spot without ever having thrown a ball for the Bears, and they've absolutely done the right thing. You know, they they they've taken one of the top three. I, for me, they've taken one of the top three um, quarterbacks on the board, eight places lower than he possibly should have gone. So I think it's I think it's a great pickup. Um, obviously, there's a lot of questions about Michael Parsons' um, character and. There are allegations about him, which seems to be a trend in Dallas. Um, they like questionable characters down there, apparently. Um, and obviously, you know, makes it makes sense with a uh, with us having the uh, the wild Alan Woods being a Cowboys fan here. Um, and then uh, I think uh, I think the Jets have done a wonderful job picking up Elijah Vera Tucker. Um, go and get your franchise quarterback, and then offer him immediate protection. I've said it just now with Miami. Uh, I've said it with about I've said it about the Bengals and the team have gone and done it, which I'm delighted about. Um, I think they've 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 done brilliant work there. And any team that gets stronger at, at the expense of um, the Patriots has done good work in my eyes. Um, Mac Jones, I don't even want to talk about it, dude. I think he's I think I think he should have been a late first round, early second round pickup at best. I don't rate him, and I can't wait to see him fail. Uh, I I think that's harsh on on Mac Jones. I think maybe maybe the your your feelings towards the the Patriots playing into that uh, a stage probably. Um, probably yeah. I I mean I think yeah I mean I did I don't know if either of you saw Waddle's uh, interview where he said that he much he much preferred Mac Jones as a quarterback to Tua, uh, which is quite uh, something when uh, that's where you're you're headed. Uh, you're going to be down in Miami for at least the next. Um, you know, for, for at least four years, if they don't pick up your fifth-year option. Uh, so to me, that was telling. I, I think Mac Jones has um, suffered because he's not as athletic as the the other four guys. Um, but I said on on our show, he's not the fat German kid off of The Simpsons either, as uh, people seem to want to to make him out to be. And like his accuracy, like is is fantastic, and it's kind of. To me, Cam Newton going to the Patriots never made any sense. And um, I brought this up a number of times last year with with people. And I think they they were like, no, but like, um, you know, I, I think Bill won't worry about the the off the the field stuff and the way Cam is. It's, like, it's not that. It, it's schematically Cam doesn't fit what the Patriots have done for 20 years. Um, you know, Tom, Tom Brady is not a running quarterback. He's super accurate. He gets the ball out. He finds his guys. Um, and I think. Think let's let's see. Um, to to me, I think that they'll do a, a lot of work. He's he's not going to start the the season. Um, it I don't believe it'll be a thing where he comes in, but I, I don't think it'll be too long before you see him given his chance. I know Belichick has to say Cam is the starter, but they always have to say that 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 um, it is it is a big playbook to learn as well, um, uh, and I. Like that, that I to me it made it made sense. They didn't have to go up. It is the highest Belichick has ever picked a QB, um, but I think he had done his homework. We know the relationship he has with Alabama. You can be absolutely certain that they uh, they have done their their homework on Mac Jones, and I don't think I I like I mean Cam I. 
I, I, I feel sorry for Cam Newton in some ways um, because he had such a good season in the run-up to the Super Bowl. He It was a, an absolute um, nightmare for him, uh, but that's what happens when Mike Remmers is playing in the Super Bowl, uh, as uh, even Patrick Mahomes can now attest to. Uh, and then he gets absolutely beaten in the the first game of the the next season he's never ever been been the same since he just can't like the body um you know the mind the mind is willing but the body is weak it just won't do what what he wants to do so to me they had to um they had to do something and it made to mac jones makes sense will it work who knows but it makes sense i think i agree with you column and that stylistically the pick does make sense um as you we're saying the offense under Josh McDaniels has very much been a, um, okay, get the ball out on time, stand in the pocket, um, and be accurate. That's the the three traits he looks for. Um, if you can create on the run, fine. That's like extra. But if it like hinders on his game plan and his strategy at any point, like if you take an unnecessary sack, he's not going to be a happy bunny. And Bill Belichick, the king of complimentary football, is uh, also not going to be happy. So Mac Jones, he has to know what he's getting himself in for uh, as a Patriots quarterback, and he might be the most accurate passer in, in the draft just about. Um, I know uh, percentage-wise, I think he was at, at Alabama. Is that because he was playing around with Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, um, even last year, Henry Ruggs, and all the pass catchers yes. they've had? Yes. Nate seems to think so. Um, Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels, and their front office seem to think that Mac Jones is the real deal. He's the next Tom Brady. I don't know if he is. I'm similar to Nate in that I don't necessarily think he is going to be the savior. I do think that that coaching staff and Josh McDaniels can build a contender with Mac Jones as the quarterback. And I think that's two very important distinctions to make. Mac Jones can be a top 15 quarterback, but that might be all that Bill Belichick and uh, Josh McDaniels need to build a Super Bowl contender. Stop saying that name on this podcast. I told you last week we did not talk about the snake <laughs> in Boston. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, lose my co-host privileges very very soon. But I just want to say very uh, quickly on this. I love 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 what the Chicago Bears did in trading up and going to get their guy Justin Fields. Um, they they gave up a king's ransom to go get him. Uh, but something had to be done at the quarterback position. What a weird offseason for Chicago Bears fans from the Andy Dalton signing to now uh, having a first-round quarterback in the room. Um, I can't overstate how much I like what the Chicago Bears did, but I also can't overstate how scared I am for Justin Fields that he's a quarterback for the Chicago Bears Um, because they notoriously have not handled the position very well, but we'll see what the, the future holds. Um, Nate, if uh, if you uh, get to call Josh McDaniels a snake, what do I, as a Broncos fan, get to say about Josh McDaniels? Oh, plenty, plenty more, mate. Plenty more. Go, go to town. He was like, he was like an agent sent by Bill Belichick to destroy our franchise. Like, genuinely, like, I mean, that's the interesting. The last time the Broncos played in London, we had Spygate too. I mean, Josh McDaniels did yeah. what Bill Belichick and, and he had done with the Patriots. Um, he he traded away Jay Cutler. And look, there were issues with Jay. But he 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 traded away Jay Cutler for a couple of lemons and a packet of cornflakes. It was crazy what went on in Denver um, under under Josh McDaniels. So I definitely have issues with, with him as a person. But the Matt Jones thing, let's see. Um, the, the Bears, um, I think that's... A, it's a great pickup for them because they needed to do something to energize uh, that fan base. Having they, I mean, they they wanted to give up King's ransom for Russell Wilson. That didn't work. 
Then you bring Andy Dalton in. You put up the, the picture QB1. We knew that wasn't the case. Uh, and then you get Justin Fields. Will it work? Well, if it doesn't, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are both out of a job. It hasn't, you know, they haven't been able to make things work thus far. The pleasing thing for me is that I had started a campaign. Um, you, you may have uh, seen it, uh, the uh, free Allen Robinson campaign, free the Chicago one. Uh, I now uh, no longer have to, uh, you know, I, I've, I've disbanded that and I now have feed the Chicago one uh, because he is an incredible wide receiver who has been so hard done by and uh, delighted to see them bring somebody in. I think it's not just, and I didn't think they had to give that, they gave up what, a first and a fourth next year? Um, it's not a huge amount given what they were trying to do and to me this coupled with their second round pick bringing in uh, Telvin Jenkins who many you know consider to be a, like one of the top top li- uh, linesmen others th- there are some concerns but look um, I think those two combined it make it a really nice um, draft for the Bears I think one of the big things about the draft is you want to come out the other side with that hope, that optimism, that next year is going to be so much better. And the Bears were a playoff team. Granted, that was off their their defense. Some of that the pieces have kind of fallen away due to the cap situation. But I think they will go in with so much more hope next year, having Justin Fields than they did with Mitch Trubisky. Um, and <laughs> and uh foals last year and if you were a bears fan sitting like this time last week looking at it going andy dalton and nick foals um you felt like a broncos fan looking at drew lock and teddy bridgewater so they have they have the, the the renewed optimism uh that made a lot of sense i think the 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 jets have done the right thing all of a sudden the jets have been transformed that's a beautiful thing about this league like the the browns who will come to later who were the perennial joke you know for the best part of 20 years are all of a sudden serious contenders Browns with a very good draft um very good free agency um the jets seem to have turned it around uh you if you make the right hire at head coach and general manager um then uh you can turn things around very quickly tampa bay being an, another example so yes bringing in uh zach wilson bringing and, and actually protecting him um i think was, was very was very smart it makes sense to me that they moved up and we'll talk probably um talk about the the vikings it made sense for the vikings to to trade uh to trade back that's probably one of those uh pieces where it really worked for everyone yeah i mean i I was I was about to echo. I was about to say exactly what you've you, you've sort of come in and come in and said about um, Pace and Nagy having to do something to save their to save their jobs. They absolutely would have been out on their ear at the end of the season had they not made some moves to really improve that team. And they've done. They've had a, I, they've had a very good draft. I think um, they've finally put it together. I don't know. I don't know how many. I don't know if there's been much. Uh, much movement in that front office in terms of evaluators and and the scouts, but something's changed there because they've gone from being a team that doesn't look like they've got a hope in hell of doing much. Uh, certainly, where they like you said, when they've got uh, Foles and Dalton under centre, to having Fields and having some options going forwards. Um, can I can I say just quickly? If we're gonna. Um say that the Jets did a good job of protecting their quarterback. I think the Chargers have to be commended for just taking the best player on the board at 13 and taking Slater, who some had as a better offensive tackle uh, prospect than Sewell. I didn't agree, 
but um, a, a very good guy to protect uh, Justin Herbert, who is the face of that franchise now. Yeah, and I, even even as a Broncos fan, I will acknowledge they had a they too had a very good free agency, and uh, I, that was a, that was a great pick. They they've done the right thing. They've got Herbert, who like I mean that to me. Um, the Drew Locke stuff that I keep hearing, oh, but last year there were mitigating factors and he'd no TAs and the the Chargers brought in a new um, offensive coordinator. Uh, I said like on the last day of October, 2019, right? He comes in, he gets two months at the, the end, but he doesn't get any preseason either to install his new system. He changed the language. He did change things up. And Justin Herbert comes in and, and does what he does. If Drew Locke had been even... 18 to 25th best worst quarterback i would feel so much better about it right i could go right okay yeah they were understandable pat Shermer comes in trying to get used to that system i get it i get it many in fact dead last on almost every qb metric like dead last i mean how do you that, that you don't go and again people point to josh allen josh allen took the took the bills to the playoffs Okay, he wasn't, yes, he wasn't that accurate, but rushing, he was 37th in the league for rushing, not QBs, right? Drew Locke was 37th for passing amongst quarterbacks. Josh Allen was 37th for all rushing. He was, he and, and as a leader, he took his team to the playoffs. Also, they went up, they put a plan in place, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and I think um, that to see the Chargers, what they've done with Herbert, I mean, John Elway in some ways must feel awful, right? Because apparently he really liked Josh Allen, but then the Bradley Chubb thing fell into his lap. Uh, Bradley Chubb's been been good, very good at times, but great. Has he really has he really been exceptional? Then he then he doesn't like. He apparently he really liked Drew Lock, but he doesn't hate Drew Lock in the first round. He kind of lets him fall into into his lap, and then Lock having got injured, has that great end to the his first season. So he, he doesn't do anything in the next. And apparently he really loved Justin Herbert. I mean, and that's not saying it after the fact. Like there was talk for two years that John Elway loved Justin Herbert and that Drew Locke had done enough. So he doesn't go after Herbert. And then Herbert goes and does that. So of the three that he apparently really liked, he ends up with Drew Locke. And the other two are like absolute superstars. It's got to be heartbreaking for the guy. Uh, yeah, I can imagine. Imagine, yeah, I, I can't imagine. Like, I mean, I know, I, I can imagine how it is because in the, to a lesser extent, that the Titans took exactly who I wanted in the second round, um, with uh, Radden's uh, the uh, tackle, um, they took him one spot above the Colts, and honestly, I'm tempted to say they took him because they knew Indy would probably be going there. I mean, Ballard's come out and said that you know they uh, they identified Deo as as somebody who they're going to get who you know probably would have been a first round pickup had it not been for his injury, um, or you know a potential first round um, player. So that you know they they feel like they 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 got a bargain with him dropping into the sort of late second rounds. Um, but for me, oh yeah, I, I can't imagine losing the like the person you've you've identified as the perfect guy to one of your closest rivals at the sting. <laughs> uh, we're going to move on to 16 to 20 now. Um, so we've got the, at 16, we've got the Cardinals uh, taking Zavin Collins, the linebacker from Tulsa. 
At 17, we've got the Vegas taking Alex Leatherwood, who's a tackle from Alabama. Uh, then the Dolphins taking Jalen Phillips, who's an edge rusher from uh, Miami. Um, then we've got the Washington football team taking J- Jamin Davis, uh, linebacker from Kentucky. Uh, then we've got the New York Giants from the Bears, and they're taking Kadarius Tony, the wide receiver from Florida. Um we had on our mock draft uh, the Raiders taking uh, Quitty Pay at 17, um, which, as it happens, I'm delighted that they didn't. Um, there's an awful lot of hate um, for the Raiders taking uh, Litherwood so high. Um, I think it's kind of harsh. I, I I think that I think they have taken him very. Uh, they have taken him very early. I think he was probably a second round talent. Uh, maybe, maybe low first, but certainly second round talent. Um, but I think I think I sort of think he's kind of low risk. I think, he, well, I don't know. I, I kind of have two minds. He's kind of low risk. He's got a, he's got a kind of low low maybe a low floor, but I think he's got quite a high ceiling. Um, his stats all look good, and you know he's he sort of fits the mold for the for the position he plays. I don't, I don't see other than maybe need. Yeah, I mean they need they've, they've got need everywhere, haven't they? Let's face let's face it. At at seventeen, I think I think we probably had them. Like I said, we had them taking a defender, which was defensive player, which is probably maybe a better option for them, but. I don't know. I, I like I like Alex Leatherwood. I feel really bad for the guy. Like the Raiders fans really aren't happy, and I think they're. I think they're wrong. I think the one thing we learned from um, Mike Mayock being on NFL draft uh, coverage for the last you know ten fifteen years or so, as most UK fans I think will recognise him. Um, he's always said that if you have conviction in a pick, um, you go ahead and you make the pick. And they obviously had conviction that Alex Leatherwood was the. Um, best offensive lineman on the board. Uh, uh, an offensive line that has is undergoing surgery, like a complete revamp this year. They've released a lot of veterans and they're trying to get younger at the position. Um, they extended Colton Miller, um, their former first-round pick uh, this offseason, as you'll have uh, heard in my poem um, earlier on in the podcast. But uh, Leatherwood, generally speaking, I think it does just represent bad value. I understand the showing conviction in the pick, but I really don't. I really find it hard to believe that everybody in the few picks behind them had him as the best offensive tackle on their board. So if you want to take him in the first round, I guess it's, it's still fine, but I really do believe that they could have um, found a trade partner to move back a couple of spots, even if you pick up a third, a fourth, a fifth, just something. That's where it just represents bad value to take him at 17. Now, if he turns out to be a really good uh, right tackle, I think is probably where he's going to end up. Um, then three years from now, no one's really going to care. They did upgrade the pass rush, um, which was the which is why we had them taking Quitipe. Uh, in this spot, they upgraded. They got they signed Yannick Ngakwe to a two year deal, and in the third round, they actually took an edge rusher I really like out of the University of Buffalo in Malcolm Kuntz. Um, a lot of people are making the joke that Mike Miok saw Khalil Mack uh, in Malcolm Kuntz because he is from the same university uh, from Buffalo, um, and obviously, I think Miok back when Mack was coming out of uh, college, he had him as the best player ahead of Jadavian Clowney that year. Now, I really like Kuntz. He's obviously no Khalil Mack as a prospect. Um, so they, they have two edge rushers. They did upgrade at the position um, of need. Um, ultimately, I just think that there was more exciting players on the board. 
but I am a big fan of um, building the house before you paint it. So taking an offensive line uh, lineman in this spot, um, upgrading the run game that uh, obviously we know um, John Gruden loves to do with Josh Jacobs there. It does make sense. I just it just does represent bad value. I really do think they could have traded back a few spots and picked up an extra, um, like a third or a fourth somewhere. And Raiders fans would be a lot happier. Like that's all it really took. I think that was something they were capable of doing. Um, just quickly going through some of those other picks, I really like the the, the linebacker class this year, and that um, kind of showed in the first round and the second round. Um, there were, I think, early on in the process, there wasn't many linebackers going in the first round except Micah Parsons. But now we had um, Parsons, Zayvon Collins going to the Cardinals, and Jameen Davis going to Washington. Um, Ron Rivera obviously knows something about linebackers. He drafted Luke Keekley. So we're just going to have to trust that pick, I think, in Jameen Davis. He obviously sees something he likes. Um, and Collins for the Cardinals, he's just a big thumper. He's going to upgrade that running defense. Um, and it probably speaks to the lack of depth in the defensive tackle um, class that to upgrade the running, uh, the defense against the run, they went linebacker instead. But generally speaking, I think I like the pick. And I also like the, the Dolphins taking Jalen Phillips. I think he upgrades the, the pass rush, possibly the best pass rusher in the whole draft. Yeah, the, the pass rushers were an interesting bunch this year because there was nobody who, um, there wasn't a question mark of some sorts about them, be it medical, um, be it off the field, um, be it their production. Um, some of them very like very young, hadn't been playing in the position for that long, so you can understand it. So I am intrigued to see how that class kind of shakes out uh, as we go through the next couple of years. Um the, the Raiders, um, I mean, what have Raider fans done to, to deserve what's been going on over the last three years? Look at that 2019 class. You had three picks in the first round. You had three picks in the first round. And you can't say any of them have, have done uh, a whole lot, really. Um, the fact that you've now taken a, a safety in the second and the fourth round, having taken a safety in the first in 2019. Ooh. Um, you took Henry Ruggs last year because for some unknown reason, you you thought that like he was going to be Ty- Tyreek Hill when he never was going to be. Um, it, it just, uh, yeah, I... And and it'll probably look they'll, they'll they the Raiders will somehow end up with seven or eight wins, um, but you you just it, they are baffling and they make no sense and their off season decisions have defied all logic, um, but I still think they'll they'll have um, seven or eight wins next season. You know now the question I think for Raiders is will they start really well and fall off? Or will they start really terribly and come good? Uh, because they don't seem to be able to put it all together. It's kind of one or the other. And the the other piece, the Cardinals, um, Collins is, is, is a thumper, as, as you've both kind of um, pointed out. But they needed help in the secondary, like I, I would have thought. Um, I can't say, I, as a Broncos fan, I don't have a huge amount of faith in Vance Joseph. Um, he, even as a defensive uh, coordinator, it, to me, it just um, it doesn't make a whole lot of uh, of, of sense. Um, but like Collins himself is a, is a fine player in the same way that Isaiah Simmons was a fine player. I just think Vance Joseph is the wrong guy to have in charge there to make the best of that of that talent. Yeah, I mean, with with the Raiders, I think they're going to do what they normally do, and they just kind of stumble there through 
way through the season. They're not going to hit any kind of form. You know, they might get a couple wins here and there on the, on the bounce. Then they'll lose a few. I think I, I, I think they're going to be the same team that they have been for the last five years. And exactly what you said, they're going to be they're going to hit just probably just around five hundred, just under the five hundred mark. I wish the Colts could play them every year because I've really enjoyed watching the Colts. Give them a little bit of a hiding this year. Um, <laughs> um, just want to just just wanted to go back to the Kadarius Tony um, pickup. I think that's a fantastic option for the Giants. Um, he's going right around where where, where I had him had him slated. Um, I know some people have him a little higher. Some people had him slipping into the second round. But for me, I think, uh, you know, uh, I think in our mock, Ross, Ross had him going one slot higher. Um, and I would have had him, I would have had him at 20 if, um, if Ross hadn't taken him at 19. So um, I think he was, I think, I think he's a fantastic, fantastic option for the Giants. And they really, they've, their, um, their offense if if uh, if if their offense doesn't do anything this year, they've got to start thinking maybe Danny Dimes isn't the man, right? Yeah, I think um, it's an interesting pick because I think by trading back and then still taking the receiver, I do think you're essentially admitting that you wanted Devontae Smith until the Eagles traded up ahead of you um, to take him. So that that that's fine. Again, it's maybe David Gettleman being a little bit too um, passive and not going up and getting his guy. But going back and taking Tony, he's far from. Uh, you know, a, a C plan. You know, he's he's still a very good receiver in his own right. Um, and as you say, Danny Dimes now has uh, Tony, Kenny Galladay, Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, Kyle Rudolph, and a returning Saquon Barkley uh, along that offense um, to kind of throw the ball to to help him out. So if he's not the guy this year, um, then I don't think he's ever going to be the guy. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's a bit like um, the, the Drew Locke situation where they've put all of these weapons around him, um, but is he going to do it? Now, obviously, he went a hell of a lot uh, higher than, than Drew Locke, so there tends to be more patience uh, in in that respect. Um, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But I, the big talking point probably for the Giants from the draft is the fact that Dave Gettleman was willing to, to trade back um, and, and, and do so repeatedly. And, and that is probably uh, Joe Judge's influence uh, potentially uh, and, and him having a, a say. Uh, but it was it was interesting to see. We heard uh, Gettleman had said in the lead up to it, like, I, I'm prepared to trade back. I just have never had an offer that I, I really liked. So uh, this time he apparently got an offer, but yeah, I mean the the, the Smith uh, going to to the Eagles was was a piece where probably them making up for last year. Um, they went with uh, Rieger and they should have gone Justin Jefferson, but they didn't. And I think that there would have been a riot in Philly if they didn't get uh, a wide receiver in in the first, um, even if you know they're unsure about the the um, the quarterback. But they have already started to kind of um, or, or had kind of acquired uh, capital that they could use. Uh, so to me, them going up uh, makes makes sense in in that in that respect. They they have to do it sometimes. Just what what you've done previously means you have to make up for a mistake or at least be seen to make up for for a mistake. Uh, how that's going to all work in Philly this year um, is is another. There's so many questions going into um, next next year and just how how certain things will, will play out. So, yeah, that is an intriguing one to me. 
Right, we're gonna we're gonna move on to twenty twenty one to twenty six now. Um, so at twenty one, we had the Colts taking Quitty Pay, which is Ed Roger out of Michigan. Uh, twenty two, we've got the Tennessee Titans taking Caleb Farley for a, a cornerback from Virginia Tech. Uh, twenty three, uh, we've got the Vikings, which is a pick from the Jets taking Christian Darisaw, uh, offensive tackle from Virginia Tech. Um, then we've got the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers taking Najee Harris, running back from Alabama. Uh, the Jaguars taking Travis Etienne. Um, a running back from Clemson. And then uh, the Cleveland Browns taking Greg Newsom, the second cornerback from Northwestern. Um, I don't know how Quitty Pay was still on the board here. Um, I had him along with Greg Rizzo as probably the two best edge rushers. Jaden Phillips close close behind. Um, but the fact that he was still on the board here, um, I, did a, I did a mock draft on another podcast and I took him at 21. Um, so I was delighted to get that pick. Nailed in. Uh, I having having watched a lot of a lot of his tape over the last the last few weeks. Um, I am very excited about that. It's a position that we desperately needed to fill, um, and we've we've gone and gone and done that, and then some. Um, looks like James Robinson's now going to be no longer going to be the running back one in Jacksonville. Uh, like Ross said would happen in our mock. Um, and then uh, I think Darisaw is a great pickup for the Vikings. And uh, again, he's they've done really good work with this uh, with this draft and off season. And I think he's um, he's going to really really sort of help help stiffen up that defense. Uh, Alan, you're back. Let's 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 talk. You don't like Etienne. Um, it's not that I don't like it. Um, I just think that you know, there's enough evidence over time that choosing a running back in the first round isn't the smartest thing to do. Uh, and then in this group, we've got two teams choosing a running back in the first round. Um, obviously, I'm a Cowboys fan and you know I'm used to uh, everyone sort of putting all the pressure on Zeke to perform in years past before they realised that Dak Prescott was OK and actually is a quarterback. Um, that can carry a team. Uh, but I think, okay, it was a need for the Steelers to get a running back more than the Jaguars. I thought James Robinson had, you know, massively outperformed what I think anyone realistically expected him to do for the Jaguars. You look at that offence last year, he was, he's not just the shining light, he was pretty much it. Um, if, if he wasn't in the game, uh, I'm not sure they'd have beaten anyone. Um, thanks. I think Colts, right? But, um, yeah, thanks. Let's forget that. You, 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 you must have sensed that one coming like a mile off. Oh, of course I did. Of course I did. Uh, See, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm more at ease with the G. Harris for the Steelers than I am with Travis Etienne for the Jaguars. It feels like, for me, there's so many areas that the Jags had to improve. I don't think that that was a worthwhile pick on their part. I'm actually the other way around, but maybe not because of on the field reasons in in certain respects um the the jags uh if they don't start selling tickets won't be a franchise in jacksonville for much longer um they have to fill that stadium so in in some ways uh, i think bringing somebody uh like uh, eddie and in it allows you to sell a story 
because it's not just Urban Meyer uh, now. Uh, it's not just Trevor Lawrence, but they're getting the band together. Um, so you you have that whole thing to sell to fans about like, um, look, at, look at what uh, Lawrence and Eddie did together at Clemson. Uh, you know, this is the, the Clemson Tigers now become the Jacksonville Jaguars. To me, it, it's a story you can sell. Um, and and I suppose I I do feel um, for you know uh, Robinson a little bit in that I would have seen similar with Philip Lindsay when he was it uh, for the Broncos literally it on uh, on offensive uh, talent and he put the the franchise on his back as an undrafted uh, free agent so uh, I I do feel a little bit but um, you know un- unless you're a Derrick Henry type. It's very difficult to take the the punishment of being just an every down back. So it mightn't be any harm. And I think Eddie offers you um, options out of the backfield. The Steelers, it was, it's like they, it was so obvious that, that what they were going to do, but I still don't think they should have done it. I think uh, the line it would have been way way better, um, it, or or even trade like this. I just. And they're they're such a proud franchise. They weren't going to do it, but they're not going anywhere next year. Like, like it's like uh, when Gary Neville had that moment where he uh, he said he realized like thirteen minutes into a game that his body was just done, and he so he got subbed at halftime and he never played again. I Big Ben should have had that moment. Like he is he is done. The Steelers just are done. But they because of the the situation. They've had to bring him back, and I, I, if I was them, I would have just tried to trade back, try and get um, draft capital for for next year. Instead, they've brought in um, Najee Harris. Nothing on him. Fine player in in his own right. I just think um, that they could have used it uh, a lot better. He's he's not going to be a difference maker, especially uh, when the Browns are doing what the Browns are doing. I thought that was a great pickup for the Browns. Um, they like the 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 whole thing about you can never have enough cornerbacks. Um, the Broncos going with that, but the Browns seem to have their answer. At least they're happy with their answer in the quarterback room. Their uh, first year, first time head coach uh, Kevin Stefanski. I'm you know I hear a lot that you need time in this league. Uh, well, Sean McVay didn't need time. Andy Reid didn't need time. Andy Reid hasn't needed any time to rebuild the Chiefs. They've had a winning season every time he's been there. McVay absolutely transformed the Rams. Kevin Stefanski came in. And first year he takes them to to the playoffs. Uh, I think that um, they've done a really nice job in free agency. I thought that was a great pickup uh, in terms of what they they did, uh, coupled with the the second round pick. Um, I, I I suppose the a bit some concerns with med, uh, medically with both, um, but those are two seriously talented guys who can come in and start. Um, from week one but who given what the Browns already have it's not like there were this gaping hole that they needed to to fill so if they they kind of have to rest them here and there they can do that yeah I think just to to finish up on this part I think the two corners that went in this selection this this part of the draft uh, for the Browns and Titans they could be two of the best picks in the first round I think they're potentially two starting cornerbacks on both teams the Browns have Denzel Ward but um so that makes Newsom even better. Um, they have two really good cornerbacks on the defense if they can stay healthy, which is the question mark with Farley as well. With Etienne, I think, you know, I, I came off the the first him going in the first round just because I still thought they could get him in the second round with, at the top of the second round. Um, but taking him there, maybe some people aren't happy with it. But I think you give 
your new face of the franchise, Trevor Lawrence, his best buddy in the backfield. And his skill set is a little bit different to James Robinson. As we know, the league is going to a lot of two running back sets now. So having two guys that offer slightly different skill sets, I think, actually suits them. Or if you're Colts, four running back sets, which which Alan absolutely despises. Yeah, mainly from a fantasy football perspective as much as anything. But yeah, um, and just sort of to add to that point, I don't disagree with the idea of having two decent running backs per se, but I'm pretty sure there was very capable options later on as well. Um, so. Okay, we're going to move on to the the final the final set of picks, and that's twenty seven to thirty two. So at twenty seven, the Ravens took Rashad Bateman, uh, Bateman, sorry, uh, wide receiver from Minnesota. Uh, the Saints took Peyton Turner, defensive end from Houston. Um, the Packers took Eric Stokes, cornerback from Georgia. Bills uh, took Gregory Rousseau, uh, edge from uh, Florida. Uh, the Ravens took traded up and took. Uh, Jason Owe, a uh, red edge rusher from Penn State, and the Buccaneers took Joe Tyron, a uh, again an edge rusher. Lots of edge rushers towards the end of this first round. Um, he's from Washington. There's a lot of heat on the Saints for that Peyton Turner um, pickup, which you know I get. He was a, he he was going to be available for a for a little while. Um, yeah. Um, I don't have a problem with that. Um, the Bills, uh, I think the. I think the pick, possibly the pick, one of the best picks just for the impact on their team, may well be Gregory Rizzo from the from the Bills. Just in that, they 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 struggled all day long getting at Mahomes um, in the championship game, and then went and watched the the uh, the Buccaneers do that and win the win the lot. Um, so picking up uh, Rizzo so late uh, is is an incredible piece of business and. Uh, I mean, it goes goes an awful long way to fixing that because he, no doubt, will create pressure on whoever they're playing against. I, I he's going to be a real, real problem matchup for just about any lineman in the league. I'd like to think maybe uh, Quentin Nelson will have him in his pocket, but not many more people, not many others will would. Yeah, I actually love what the Bills did in this draft. As you rightly say, I think that's exactly what their thinking was that they couldn't get to Mahomes in the title game, and then watch two weeks later as the Bucks had him running for his life. Um, they have some decent edge rushers, Jerry Hughes and uh, AJ Epinenza from uh, second round pick from last year, but they didn't get home, and that's that's just the way it is. So they went out, they got uh, Rousseau, who I think was the best player on the board at this point anyway. So you, you, not only do you feel a need, but you get the best player available. And in the second round, they came back and got Carlos Basham, who was another uh, edge rusher. Um, and they're big physical guys too; like they can they can play with their hand in the dirt. They can line them up inside as well. Um, so there's a lot of different options that you could do on obvious passing situations. Um, I'm a bigger fan of the Saints pick. Obviously, the Saints are my team. I'm a bigger fan of the Saints pick than a lot of the other fans have, have read out there, their opinions. We lost Trey Hendrickson and Sheldon Rankins in free agency. Um, What's interesting about Turner is that he actually played D-tackle his uh, middle two years in college, his sophomore and junior years. And then he shed lost some weight, um, got a bit leaner and played on the edge his final year. So he has actually has some versatility of playing inside and on the edge. And he's the big kind of physical defensive end that we love. Like he, he's like Trey Hendrickson in his build. He's like Cameron Jordan in his build. Um, and the success and pr- an improvement of our defense over the last few years has been through the success of the, um, the front seven, in my opinion. It's the defensive line and the linebackers. Um, so Turner, just restocking that position and in the second round as well with Pete Werner, the linebacker, I actually think I I think made a lot of sense for us. Um, 
personally, because I, I don't want to go back to those dark days in the early 2010s when our defense was historically the worst in all of American football history because it was um, really, really sad times to watch that defense give up 40 points a game. I don't want to go back to those days. So I like that we restocked along the, the front seven and even a cornerback in the third round. Um, the Saints are are interesting and from the outside because it's such a big change. Obviously, Breeze being gone in such a situation that they put themselves with cap hell. So pretty much anyone that got drafted was going to play. Um, and it's uh, it's an interesting one because Peyton is a great coach. I really rate him. Um, but I just wonder for, for the Saints, you know, in some ways, would this have been a year to, uh, you know, accumulate picks for next year? Because realistically, what are you going to be able to do this year? You... you Jameis um, and and Taysom Hill are not the answer. We we know that. Um, you know that that is just the reality of it. Uh, in some ways, to be honest, the the, the league um, getting getting the the gimme win over the Broncos. I don't know if that helped the Saints last year. Um, I I just think that with the Bucks bringing everybody back. They are so stacked um, and it, it's it's going to be really difficult, I think, for, for the Saints um, this year. And there are franchises I, I really like, um, but I, I, it is going to be a, a very, very difficult one. So no matter who they picked, it felt. I, I'm glad for, for the team's sake that they didn't go up. All the talk seems to be that they were trying to get up for a corner, which really made no sense to to me that they were willing to to give up what kind of little they seem to have so i'm glad that didn't happen um i thought the ravens pickups here were really good they made so much sense they they finally have that kind of uh wr1 uh that that they needed and um they also have some help kind of coming off the the edge now as well uh, so I would imagine again you're you'll probably see um, them be uh, another have another really really good year um, if uh, if they can stop uh, Marcus Peters from being an idiot um, then who knows um, I just he is he's a huge problem um, he's a just that that's the type of stuff that just won't go over well in in a locker room um, and just really silly to to do and it's not dancing on the um, that the logo that's fine but when you spit at another player other guys are just gonna you know you're they're not people aren't gonna have your back when you do that sort of to of, of stupid stuff um and i thought for the bills um again like we go back to this this particular class like Rousseau was a guy who um, some were saying, I think Ian Rappaport, when he talked to, uh, when we talked to him, he had said that um, teams had real difficulty kind of assessing Rousseau because some things they really liked and some teams were convinced he was a first rounder and other team. And if he'd gone last year, he he could have gone top 10. Whereas the longer it went on, the longer he was out, the more time teams had to assess. It was kind of a feeling like, is this guy really first round? But the Bills had to bring somebody in if they if they want to make a push. Uh, what was interesting to me is the way in which the, the Chiefs have reacted. And obviously they, they gave up on that uh, 31st pick, but how they reacted to that Super Bowl. Uh, loss uh, and and Mahomes, they just went and said, right, we got to we got to sort this out, and uh, and they did, uh, and and it's kind of crazy that they they may uh, well have upgraded their line, even though uh, they lost Fisher and Mister Schwartz, who I really really liked, um, but it's crazy to think that they might go into next year stronger. 
Yeah, I mean, I'd mirror a lot of what you just said there, Colin. I completely agree with the Ravens. We did a unpopular opinion show recently, and one of the unpopular opinions was about the Mar Jacksons and the Ravens won't win a Super Bowl because he's too run heavy. It'd be interesting to see. You know, I think last season just gone, people were expecting to see Lamar air out more than he did, or maybe more successfully than he did. It'd be interesting to see what impact that has. The other interesting, of course, going back to sort of the beginning of the show, um, Green Bay Packers picking up Eric Stokes, cornerback. They had the fan, well, not the fan cam, but they had the um, they had the camera in the draft picks' homes. Uh, I wish they had one in Aaron Rodgers' homes when that pick came in. So uh, I wonder how the Wolves are doing um, when that came in in the Rodgers household. He was watching Jeopardy. He wasn't even paying attention. He's going to host it next, right? Yeah, he is. He's he's the, he's the next. Uh... I don't know whether he's already done his run as host or not, but uh, yeah, he's certainly certainly getting involved, which is unbelievably random. Um, yeah, so right, let's. Uh, well, that's 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 the uh, that's that's our deep dive into the first round. But um, we're going to just have a look at who we sum up as the winners and losers losers of the draft as a whole. Now, obviously, it's a really difficult thing to say, and a lot of you know, pundits and people who talk about football kind of prefer to avoid it because it's all conjecture, it's all predictions. But we like to stake the fires a little bit, so that's just <laughs> so, we, so we're going to do it. Um, so, Alan, we'll come to you. Come to come to you first. Uh, who's your winner and who is your loser of the draft? I mean, it could be the off season as a whole, really. But we'll, we'll, we'll let's just focus on the draft for now, and then we'll come back to that maybe later on in the year. I like what the Dolphins did. I think the Dolphins had such a solid foundation. Um, from what they, I think they can really build on something really exciting from last year. Tua going into his second year, but his first full year as a starter, I think that's something that's um, really important that we need to remember. For me, it was so desperate for them to get a proper wide receiver one. Um, they addressed that with Jaden Waddle uh, in the first round. I think you know he's going to be such a difference maker for them. Um you know, they picked up some nice pieces on defence. You know, it's already, you know, the defence was winning them games last season. Um, if they can be anywhere near as good this coming season as they were just past, I think they're going to be a real difficult character. Uh, I know Lim Eichenberg, who's a player that you really liked, Nate, for your Colts. Absolutely. Pick up, um, it's going to be protecting to us. I, I just think that, obviously, it's easy for me to say them, well, it's not necessarily easy for me to say them because we've talked about this before, just because having lots of high draft picks doesn't guarantee success. But I think what they did with them, uh, I, th- I think they're going to build a platform for Tua and the Dolphins to succeed this coming year and probably for a number of years to come from what they've done this draft. And you want my loser as well? Yeah, yeah. Who's your loser? Sure. Um, well, I already sort of just mentioned about the Packers a second ago. Just pick one. Okay. All right. Well, I know you've picked one of them, so I'm going to go with the Packers because I think what they've done is probably pushed Aaron Rodgers further out the door uh, by not picking up any more attacking options, uh, offensive options earlier on. Fair. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, Colin, we'll come to you next. Who's, who have you got as a winner? Uh, um, I know you're saying pick one. Can I go? I just preface it by saying I think the I think the Bears gave their fans the most hope. 
Um, but if I was to if I was to say who in terms of the off season uh, um, and in terms of their free agency and what they did in the draft, I really like what the Browns have done. I really think that they have addressed um, everything that they needed to address as realistically as they could. Uh, so other teams may have um, have really shiny toys. Um, but there's still some issues that you can see across their roster, whereas the Browns just seem to have gone right. Where, what do we need to sort out? Um, my biggest question around the Browns is how do you bring Odell Beckham back into that, you know, and and make that work? I think that is my concern for them. But in terms of, um, look, they they went cornerback, they went um, linebacker, and they went wide receiver one, two, and three, and I think. All three of them can make contributions. I don't think they need them to be like superstars initially, which is the nice part. These are young guys who can come in, learn and make contributions. So I, to me, the, the Browns uh, are probably who I would uh, go for. Um, and then the, the losers, it's it's the Texans again. I mean, what a what a disaster. What an absolute nightmare they've had. It's been like just horrific. It's, this isn't um, just a car crash. This is a car crash go- that goes into a chemical plant that then explodes, that derails a train, that um, causes uh, um, an airport to be shut down. <laughs> this is awful like nothing that this franchise has done has worked the like the qb wants to 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 leave then gets into all sorts of legal issues the front office is an absolute mess and you have sports uh illustrated pieces coming out about what like a a, just a a viper's nest it is and how he is bending the ear of the owner against certain people and then then you have no picks but what you go and do you go and waste those picks like davis mills out of out of stanford guy is very smart by all accounts he's he's a decent quarterback what are you bringing him in for like what what's he going to do like you know realistically Watson's unlikely to ever play for you again. Whether Watson plays again is even a question, but he's not going to, you know, I don't think the te- he's going to play for the Texans. So you had quarterbacks in place. What was the point in wasting a pick on him? You were going to be picking top, like we, you know, the question you asked earlier, will the Falcons be picking top four again anytime soon? The Texans will be. Don't worry about it, Texans. When you actually get those picks back, if you haven't, that you didn't trade away, you, look, you'd have been you'd have been picking number three this year. I think you might be picking number three for the next few years, given how awfully that franchise is run. And I say that not against the fans there, right? Because, I mean, I, I have a lot of uh, uh, affection for the Texans and, and the state of Texas. Wade Phillips, Gary Kubiak, um, you know, it was hilarious how much money they paid Brock Osweiler. There are things like that can, you can <laughs> like about them. And and it honestly, it's a great, it's a really, we, we hear a lot of stuff over this part of the world about Texas. Great place. I've been to Texas loads, always loved my time there. People there are great. But that franchise, I mean, honestly, um, it is, it's just a nightmare. And I'm sure the, the other 31 owners are looking on just going, you need to sort this out because every story that comes out is just a bad news story. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, you, you, you've picked who I've got as, as the losers. Obviously, being a Colts fan, I'm watching this and reveling in it. Um, I did consider the Saints, the Packers, the Ravens, the Raiders. Although I did like, 
I forget who it is now, but I did like one of their uh, one of the uh, the Raiders day two pickups. Um, safety, I can't remember who it was, um, but uh, and it's almost too easy to pick up pick on the Texans, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. Um, they're like you said. Uh, I don't want to sort of echo everything that you've said, but they are in a bind with the Watson situation. They had a terrible draft, courtesy of Bill O'Brien, as much as anyone. Um, no first or second round pick and they took a QB off the board at the first opportunity um, but this season's done before it starts why even bother pick up a QB whoever you've got in there at the moment as as backup will do as good a job as a fourth, third, fourth rounder that's going to come in so it's just a waste um, they're, in, they're in absolute dire need of help on the defence and they didn't get any help on there whatsoever. Truly horrible, horrible situation. Um, my winners, uh, I've, I've picked the Jets. Zach Wilson, Elijah Vera Tucker, Elijah Moore, Michael Carter. I mean, good Lord, they're going to be exciting to watch on offence. Last, last season, up until a certain point, they were the most efficient team on uh on their first drive in the league they scored on every single one up until up until a certain point i don't know whether they continued it on for the entire season but they were the most efficient team on for the first drives of the game that that offense is looking pretty tasty and i'm quite looking forward to it i can't wait to watch them go and beat the pats hopefully in new england in in uh, in uh, the gillette gillette that would be Oh, it would be so satisfying to watch. Just a, a really quick point that I think is interesting because the Jets and the Broncos have both been the worst on offense since 2017. Uh, fewest points. Uh, I mean, sandpapering your retinas would probably be more enjoyable to watching these teams try to move the football down the field. <laughs> um, and But the Jets have gone and blown it up. Right, they've blown it up completely. They've got got in new coaching staff. They've actually gone out and really invested in in a QB and put weapons around him. The Broncos um, got a defensive, you know, uh, an older coach. Um, they didn't go and get the QB in the same way. They have put the weapons around, and now they're running it back. I'm really interested to see because one of these approaches surely has to bear fruit. Um, given you know which which one is it going to be, I have my own thoughts, which that might likely to to be. I, I wish uh, I wish I was. I hope I'm wrong, but we we'll see. But I do think it is interesting that the two worst teams are, are taking a different approach to the 2021 uh, season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, right, Ross, let's um, let's come to you and wrap up the uh, the winners and losers. You've got you've got different thoughts than apparently everybody else. Yeah, I tried to be a, a, maybe a little bit different, but it's actually something I do think about. I think there's a consensus actually that the Detroit Lions actually had a very good draft. Look, um, this is a long term rebuild. Like these guys got six year contracts to come in there, Dan Campbell and the the new GM there. Um, they might we might not see the fruits of this front office's labor for two or three more seasons, right? So if you're building, like I said earlier, if you you have to build the house before you're going to paint it. So I think investing in the trenches like they did on days one and day two um, make a lot of sense for where the lines are at. 
Um, they just took best player available. That's That was Penai Sewell. That makes sense, actually, at the number seven. But according to PFF, they also got two of the top four defensive tackles in the in the entire draft class. Yes, it's a weak defensive tackle class. But taking two of the best four, that's they're going to be solid starters in the league, surely. Um, and Alan McNeil in the third round. And I forget who the second round pick was. Why? Well, it's because it's a difficult name. It's Levi Onwuzuriki. Uh, absolutely crushed that one. Um, Butchered. <laughs> so I think the Lions actually did really, really well in this draft. They also picked up a, a really talented, tough wide receiver from USC in Amora St. Brown uh, in round four. Um, and I think he embodies the kind of player that uh, Dan Campbell wants. He was a tough physical guy that went up and got the ball at the, the catch point at USC. Um, so I, I, I think Dan Campbell and the, and the front office can come away from this draft um, knowing they have the building blocks for the next Hopefully, they want to be successful for the next ten years. They don't just they, they, they don't just want to be a flash in the pan. They want to build a, and change the culture in Detroit and make them a successful franchise for years to come. Whether they will or not, obviously, we're going to see. But I think it's really good first steps for them. Um, and then, in terms of the losers, it's the Seattle Seahawks. Like I, 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 I they only had three picks in the entire draft because they traded away um, uh, first round picks for you know, well, a Jamal Adams. Um, who I like Jamal Adams. I think he's a great player, but I just don't know if he was worth that bounty. And I don't know if he's going to make the Seattle Seahawks good for the next five years, like we're saying. Um, there's already trouble with their quarterback, apparently, and Russell Wilson. But uh, I think if you're looking at the picks, I think they had good picks. Like, I don't mind them. And Dwayne Estridge, the, the wide receiver, uh, and they picked up a really good cornerback on day three. But I think when you've lost Shaq Griffin, you've lost Jaron Reed in free agency, I just don't see how the Seattle Seahawks actually got better this offseason and I don't think the draft necessarily makes them a whole lot better in 2021. Eskridge is, he came from a small school as a wide receiver. He's far from a complete wide receiver and he's a bit of a burner more than a kind of crisp route runner. Um, so we'll see where the, the chips fall with Seattle in 2021. I just don't see how they got a lot better from this draft, especially knowing the way that they like to usually maneuver around the draft board and trade back and collect picks and um, build from depth through the draft. I think they usually like to pick lots and lots of players in the later rounds. Trust their scouting department in that regard, and they didn't make one trade with their three picks. Yeah, I mean, it's, when you when you've got so little, it may, it, it, and especially if you've got nothing early on, it's kind of difficult to to really make use of all of that. Uh, that well, make use of the little cap- capital you have, isn't it? Yeah, there, there we have it. Uh, that's that's the episode wrapped up. Uh, Colm, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you have you with us and to to um, unpick the draft. Thank you for thank you for dropping in. Yeah, I loved uh, coming on, guys, and uh, chatting to you. Yeah, a lot of fun, and uh, of course, we uh, we can be, we could be sitting, uh, say, in February next year. We're late February now, given the the fact that things are going to be uh, pushed back a bit, and look back and uh, see uh, how many of this we got uh, we got right and got wrong, and that's all. That's always the the fun part. I put my hand up to getting so much wrong uh, over the years, guys, who I thought were going to be fantastic, who've been awful and guys who have got why if they pick them and all of a sudden but that's the beauty of this uh this game so a lot of fun to chat to you today uh, again ple- pleasure's all ours um and uh alan and ross thank you thank you for coming on and uh bringing bringing the tone up a little bit or yeah down as it may be uh yeah just remember guys it's now we're now 364 days away from the fifth year option tracker for the 2019 <laughs> first round picks where ross crawford poem 2.0 
will be released. That is going to have to be the thing now. Every year, you're going to have to do a poem to definitely to knock it to knock it out. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, we we're going to be back next week. We haven't done a weekly episode for a little while, um, but we're going to be back next week, and we're going to start going through the divisions. Um, and we're starting with the uh, AFC North, um, and we're going to go through we're going to go through the previous season, how each team. We're going to go through the upcoming season and we're going to look at the off-season and, and, and really try to smash all of that out in just under two hours like we've just about managed today, Alan. Um, as ever, thank you for joining us and until next time, goodbye. Mm-hmm.